I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system, which regulates many of our most critical bodily functions, such as learning and memory, emotional processing, sleep, temperature, and pain control, and inflammatory and immune responses. The CBD brand that I take and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection a sleep gummy. The Reserve Collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, including THC. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products are for when intense support is needed. Reserve sleep gummies build on their unique Reserve Collection formula with effective sleep-focused ingredients to better prepare you for bed each night. Wake up feeling refreshed, energized, and ready to take on the day with Reserve Sleep Gummies. All of Plus CBD's products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Reserve Collection Sleep Gummies. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly opportunity to answer your questions. And uh, Q&A with Layla, just uh, one of our weekly podcasts. Uh, make sure you take advantage of everything that Intelligent Medicine has to offer. We have other great podcasts. Uh, did an interesting podcast on homeopathy, which we're going to talk about a little bit. Yes. Uh, I have a question about this this hour. Mm-hmm. Um, with a, a cl- I did it with a classical homeopath. And uh, we also did a very interesting one on uh, the food-mood connection with Dr. Georgia Ede, which uh, we started the year off, which has gotten a lot of uh, downloads from people. So make sure you Mm -hmm. take advantage of that, as well as uh, follow me on Facebook and Twitter for the latest health news and product recommendations. And make sure you subscribe to the newsletter, because in the newsletter, uh, we... uh, cover a lot of topics that can make listenership to intelligent medicine a more in-depth process. So, uh, the question was about the relationship between soy and prostate yeah, health. Okay. Yeah. Rich is asking, should men avoid soy products to have a healthy prostate? I notice in a lot of supplements that contain soy or soy lecithin, I try to avoid those things, but I've also been using phytosterols from pine bark extract instead of from soy. Have you heard of anything positive about phytosterols from pine bark? Uh, and my other concern is, I know our crops are still being sprayed with glyphosate and other harmful pesticides. I try to eat mostly organic foods. Is something like tofu safer? than some other soy alternative. And ultimately, I think the whole thing about soy and prostate is how soy can compete with circulating testosterone Mm -hmm. and tend to quash it, which may be helpful for those Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, soy actually contains things, a lot of different things, but it contains soy uh, isoflavones, but it also has certain anti-cancer substances and it is, in effect, a little bit of a gender bender because yeah, it, it's got hormonal effects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are uh, some accounts of men developing gynecomastia with excess soy consumption, which is an yeah. estrogenic effect. Um, it is, you know, perhaps potentially a concern if uh, pregnant women uh, take lots and lots and lots of soy mm-hmm. concentrate, uh, maybe an occasional soy product, but, you know, 
gluten, not a problem, but like lots of soy concentrate uh, supplements or, uh, you know, some of the foods that are, a lot of the foods like uh, Beyond Meat and so on are made from soy. Yes. And they may have a high content of soy isoflavone. Soy also is mostly GMO, the vast majority of it. So you're going to get some maybe glyphosate residues. Um, In terms of prostate cancer, there's actually a protective effect against prostate cancer. Um, and is that because it's such a gender bender? Well, like it, yeah, actually, testosterone? one of the tr- early treatments for prostate cancer, it's not a very good treatment because the side effects are terrible, is with diethylstilbestrol, which is a synthetic estrogen, which causes like really feminizing traits in men. Lupron? But it, no, it's not Lupron. Lupron is a stops hormones, oh, 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 oh. but that's estrogen. So treating okay. uh, prostate cancer with estrogen, it can be helpful at a certain stage in prostate cancer. Um, so, uh, there, there's, uh, soy isoflavone can cause some growth arrest and apoptosis, one ah. of your favorite words. Cell death. Of, of prostate cancer death. cells, program mm-hmm. cell death. Um, and there may be other, uh, chemoprotective mechanisms, uh, antioxidant defense, DNA repair, inhibition of angiogenesis and metastasis, uh, even potentiation of, of radiation and chemo effects, yeah. um, and uh, antagonism of uh, androgen pathways. So mm. it's an androgen blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also it. You know, it's actually two way street. It's not just estrogenic. It is a bit of an estrogen blocker. At the same time, it's estrogenic. It's a serum. It's a syn- It's a not a synthetic. It's a natural estrogen yes. receptor modulator. That's so that it fits like a lock and key in certain estrogen receptors. Mm-hmm. And blocks others from stimulation. So it, it, one theory about breast cancer is, you know, is soy good or bad for breast cancer? And the answer is, if you are on a steady diet of soy mm-hmm. from childhood, uh, and maybe even if your mother has some soy in utero, it may protect women from breast cancer. But mm-hmm. if you decide that once you have breast cancer, especially if it's hormone responsive breast cancer, like yeah. estrogen receptor positive, if you take a lot of soy, yeah. maybe it could stoke the right. the cancer, right? Because it's not like it's it sort of it stimulates some estrogen receptors and blocks others. I mean, in a way that. And you know, I've had a couple of case studies of private patients of mine who have said, "Layla, I avoided HRT by drinking a glass of soy milk that, every day." Yes. Yes. I don't have hot flashes because exactly. of my glass of... I call that unregulated HRT. Exactly, exactly. But <laughs> that's what I call that. Well, you know, yeah. uh, but it, I, don't know. Uh, I don't think that that's a bad application of sure. soy. Sure, sure. So I don't think soy is bad for the prostate. Yeah. I don't know why the guy got the impression it's bad for the prostate. Mm. Um, is it bad for the prostate? Mm. No, I, don't, I don't think so, I except think for the so. fact that... You know, soy has could other... be bad for testosterone, but not for the prostate. Right, 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 right. More than you anything, know. and of course, Rich, you want to be. It's good that you're you're trying to eat mostly organic foods. That that's always a good thing. Uh, uh, and he's asking are things like tofu safer. If you want to eat soy, the fermented version, which is tempeh, may be better. Ten- it has vitamin K in exactly, it. Exactly that mm-hmm. too. And uh, uh, the other thing about soy that's problematic is it's one of the biggest goitrogens out there. Yeah, it does negatively affect the thyroid yeah. at very so, high doses. So if you have an underactive thyroid, it's not something you want to take frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
You know, if you're going to nibble on some edamame at the Japanese restaurant once a week, big deal.、Mm-hmm. But if you're having blocks of stir-fried tofu, yeah, because it's yummy, it's delicious. Sure, sure. So we're talking about again, you know, moderation and all that kind of thing, and and、yeah. variety,、mm-hmm. and variety, variety.、Mm-hmm. and variety. That's true. So, Rich, thank you for that question. Good point. Which to pause because we're going to allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share an important message with you. So, listen up. Here goes. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that. Only offers curated professional grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself, never counterfeit or expired. Always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to dearhoffmanstore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant, and offers world-class support. Fullscript. Also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs: heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to dearhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's dearhoffmanstore.com. Dearhoffmanstore.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They, of course, are what make Intelligent Medicine continuing free resource to you. And now back to some more of our questions. Oh, we've actually got a comment from Iton, dear Leyland, Doctor Hoffman. I'm so thrilled that you read the Guardian's article pertaining to King Charles and the uproar he caused by nominating Doctor Dixon as head of the royal medical household.、Mm-hmm. It is true he's pro homeopathy. Nonetheless, he is a medical doctor who practices integrative medicine. But the medical establishment could not digest it. It threatens them and big pharma. So, the establishment always mocks homeopathy's quackery. Why don't they survey people? Why don't they ask someone like me? I've been using homeopathic remedies for 15 years with superb results. Okay, great. Yeah. So there we go. It is something, and 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 I have heard that、uh, the royal family has always used homeopathy in. In things for for decades, so that's very very interesting. Yeah, there was this very snarky、uh, article、uh, oh、in、gosh. the Guardian,、mm-hmm. uh, which、uh, actually I, I talked about it in a podcast that I did uh, with uh, Vidya Udare, who is a classical homeopath, homeopath, and her training was extremely rigorous in India, where she actually. Received a medical degree、mm-hmm. because you know, there's two tracks in, in India. When you go to medical school, you can go to a regular medical school and become a high tech, you know, very Western doctor、yeah. using mostly English speaking texts, you know, because it's an English speaking country, and the physicians there are just top notch. And they actually import a lot of physicians, and some of the top physicians in America are trained in India. Uh, so they're very rigorous training, but anyway, she went through a, a homeopathic college, which doesn't mean that she did not get exposed to conventional medicine. She、yeah. also got conventional medicine training, in addition to really in-depth homeopathic training. So she really knows her classical homeopathy. Five and a half year program. 
Wow. And uh, then she came and she got she got her uh, uh, accreditation in functional medicine, and she got her accreditation as a certified nutrition specialist, which is Fantastic. a whole. So so she's really multifaceted, and she does the classical homeopathy, and she. Uh, through personal experience, she discovered that she overcame some really challenging medical conditions. She had wow. serious post-Lyme arthritis. Um, she had uh, a thyroid autoimmune condition that has resolved without medication. Uh, and then she treats a lot of patients, and she uh, told me With about some very dramatic cases. Yeah. And she has case studies on her website. So uh, now, you know, when confronted with that article, I mean, it's just sort of sheer... Uh, bias by the medical establishment. They don't really understand how homeopathy could work because it's using such infinitesimal substances mm -hmm. that it, it defies the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were taught that there's Avogadro's number, which is 10 to the minus 23rd, you know, six, six point something to the 10 to the minus 23rd is the smallest material particle that you can have in nature. And homeopathic particles are diluted to the point where they're below that threshold. So wow. there's, in effect, you can't claim there's even an, an atom there, mm -hmm. you know, or a molecule. Mm. So how could that possibly work? It's sort of through energy medicine that we understand yes. that. But I, I gotta Residence. say, I I don't get it. Uh -huh. All I know is that homeopathy can work. Yeah. I don't practice it. Um, energy medicine is really but, it, but I don't think it should be yeah. uh, outlawed. No, uh, I think though. I mean, if there's something that's like making a like a phony claim like a poorly manufactured uh you know product that makes some extraordinary claims like a fruit and veggie pill <laughs> <laughs> a homeopathic fruit and veggie pill uh you know then it's like you know, uh, like let's get uh, real like right. you know don't take it if you you know if you have like uh, insulin dependent diabetes please don't take homeopathic insulin right you know right, <laughs> right? don't do that yeah. because you know you, you and she yeah. would she readily acknowledge that sure. is that there's conventional medicine must be employed for many conditions, but homeopathy can address some conditions that are so hard to address that mm -hmm. fall between the cracks. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, anyway, I thought it was. Uh, this is a listener who really, I think, will enjoy listening to that podcast. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not you will use homeopathy, um, it's. I think it's important to recognize that it's a branch of medicine that should not be. No. Uh, banned or extirpated. And some of these we see a little over the counter, like arnica. Montana, yeah, she, and there's she what's says, the one for colds? Oscillococcinum. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, a, a and couple I of her, others. I, I asked her about that. You know, first of all, she's she's trained as a classical homeopath, and that's very yeah. different. What you do is you sit for a person for like an hour and a half, and you ask them a million questions. You even ask about their personality, whether they they prefer hot or cold, whether they prefer bitter foods or this foods or that. You know, like a million questions that don't seem relevant, and it helps them formulate a remedy. And then they say. Wow. Your remedy is this, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's uh, arsenicum album or, you know, something, wow. you know, and that, they take that for six weeks and let's mm -hmm. see how you do. And it's like one thing at a time. But uh, some of the over-the-counter things are like a mixture of things. Right. And it's not personalized. It's not personalized. Like that. And yeah. so she says, you know, can work, but it's not really classical homeopathy. I see. It, and but I can't know, wait to listen to that podcast. Okay. Yeah, I, she's terrific. Yeah. Uh, I, I think she uh, exemplifies what is really needed, which is kind of an all of the above approach. I mean, she employs yoga. She employs, which is yeah. I think it works also on the emotional and psychological uh, concomitants of illness mm -hmm. uh, 
to produce a sort of a both mind body healing you know yeah like a comprehensive kind of thing so i yeah. i like it i mean i think in the right hands i think homeopathy can be very healing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so anyway okay uh all right there you go i know just to mention yes. is that uh, i'm president of the alliance for natural health which is a health freedom organization and you know we have many campaigns we have campaigns to make sure that people have access to supplements we have campaigns that make sure that uh that uh practitioners uh who uh, practice integrative medicine, don't get persecuted and, you know, have their licenses uh, taken away. And we have uh, campaigns about food and, you know, food adulteration. And we have campaigns about uh, informed consent about vaccination. Yeah. And But one of our campaigns is about homeopathy because yes. we recognize that homeopathy is kind of an endangered species. I just and, signed that petition. Oh, good. Yesterday. Yeah. So you can, yep. there's an action alert. Yes. And you can sign the petition and say, you know, let's maintain it. And, you know, you didn't do it as a self-interested person. It's not like you did it because, well, you mm-hmm. practice homeopathy and it would no. cut you out of, you know, like you're making money doing, seeing no. patients. No, I did it because it's the right thing to do. So you want to support yes. the access to it. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So anyway, so, uh, the, so it's a worthwhile organization. That's why I'm involved with it. It's, you know, I think it's uh, constant with my beliefs over my career that, uh, health freedom is important because yes. we we fought this battle. It's, it's actually when I started practicing medicine in New York in the 1980s, it was illegal to practice, quote, alternative medicine, was called then. Yes. Uh, they hadn't invented the term functional medicine. But, you know, anything that yeah. de- deviated from uh, standard practice was considered illegal. Yeah. And we campaigned to have the laws changed. And a bunch of doctors, including Dr. Atkins, yeah. the late great Dr. Atkins, he had he had some money, so he actually helped us to sure. hire a lobbyist to get the laws changed to uh, allow for the practice of mm-hmm. what was then called alternative medicine, and uh, and that was a breakthrough. Just to even say, oh my goodness, you know, we 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 don't have to worry that we're going to lose our licenses merely yeah. by departing from a conventional medical recommendation or by yeah. by recommending vitamins perish the thought you know oh my goodness so yeah. yep we'll go by way of royal rife okay <laughs> <laughs> exactly god forbid anyway so uh we've got a question here from steve wishing you dr hoffman and layla a great new year same at you steve thank you very very much wishing you a great new year i enjoy drinking tea and wanted to know what you think about the beneficial nutritional profiles of green tea, oolong tea, black tea, and yerba mate. Okay. Yerba mate is interesting. Yes. Well, okay, so there are many different teas, and it, it, some of it has to do with the species, and some of it has to do with the processing. So you know a True. little bit about the processing. Yeah, yeah. The least fermented is the green tea, right? Mm-hmm. White tea would actually be even less fermented than green. Right. Then it would be green, which is mm-hmm. a little more fer- little, fermented. A little aged, a little, a little bit more aged. aged yeah. A little mm-hmm. more aged. And then we move on to oolong. Mm-hmm. And oolong, per Dr. Leo Gallant, mm-hmm. talks about oolong tea for allergies, okay. which may be very beneficial, yep. maybe maybe right. uh, with an antihistamine type of effect. Right. And then the most fermented would be a black tea. That would be my favorite. Yeah, because I love a cup of English breakfast or, or Earl, Earl Grey. That I love Earl Grey. I'm hooked on that now. Oh my God. I used to always be a coffee person, and I do drink decaf. Mm-hmm. But in my morning routine now is tea, Earl and it gives me just a little bit of caffeine, a little and bit. And you of, get the benefit of the bergamot uh, and a little bit of theanine. Oh, and nice. And the po- polyphenols. Right. 
Right. I got to admit, I don't like green tea, the flavor of it. Yeah. Uh, but I take a, an EGCG capsule, so yeah. I get the benefits of that. Yeah. And what I'll sometimes do is I'll put some, uh, you know, matcha, which is that green powder. Yes. People brew tea. I throw that in my shake, and it makes it taste a little bit like green tea ice cream. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. If, if I use like vanilla protein right. powder and I use uh, matcha and it makes a yeah. nice, nice green color, Yeah. I throw in an avocado so it's even greener and it's really a yummy. Yeah. And it's a way to get tea without drinking the true, tea. True, yeah. true. I love having green tea at the Japanese restaurant. Oh, I don't know if, the, if it's the cup they serve it in, yes. the porcelain. I, I don't know what the, the formulation it's is. It's so much better. Yeah, like if we go, if we go and have lunch, my I husband do like and I it better there. Sometimes yeah. if we're having lunch, yeah. we'll have the green tea. Yeah. If we're going for dinner, we might have sake instead. Yeah. But the tea at the Japanese well, restaurant—they brew it. They don't just so good. make it with tea bags. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah And yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to. I'm going to take a trip to Scotland, and I hear that the tea is really great in Scotland. Oh my! Yeah, that's going to yeah. be. That's going to be. So uh, another way I like to make green tea if I'm making it at home because I'm not a huge fan, except yeah. for what's at the Japanese restaurant. I will also simmer up some ginger tea, where I take some fresh ginger, a knob of it, right. peel it, slice it very thin. Yeah. And put it into about you three wanna, to four you don't cups boil of water. It. You don't want to boil the green tea. No, 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 no. You want to just add it to hot water. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about the tea. I'm talking about the ginger now. Oh, the, the ginger. ginger right. I'll slice up fine, right. Right. and I'll I'll simmer it for about ten minutes in three to four cups of water, and then I will add that and with uh with the with the green tea bag and make green ginger tea, and oh, that tastes I, that, so much better. That I like than too. just plain old exactly. green tea. Exactly. That makes because I love ginger tea. That makes the green tea more palatable. It does. Yeah. It does. Yes. Ginger is so you're getting, wonderful. And ginger is really anti-inflammatory. It really is. It has a, like a, a, a COX-2 inhibition effect, yes. like, a, like an NSAID-like effect yeah. in a nice way. Mm -hmm. It's actually an ingredient in the ache action product, uh, ginger, yeah. uh, where they have uh, boswellin and they have... Uh, I think some, curcumin. No curcumin. Oh, uh, it, willow bark. Willow bark, yeah. which is the the origin of cell, you know, yes. uh, acetyl salicylic acid, which is aspirin. Mm -hmm. But it's it salicylates in there. Yeah. Uh, by the way, some yeah. people are sensitive to salicylates. That's another thing. Right. Some people right. don't do well with salicylates. Yeah. You know. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, the uh, so the question was <laughs> what to do. Oh, so here's the thing about yerba mate tea. Yerba yeah. mate very popular in like you know South America, Argentina, Paraguay. Um, and popular amongst Ur Uruguay, athletes. Uruguay, mm -hmm. uh, very popular in Uruguay. So what it is, it turns out it's a little bit of a GLP-1 uh, agonist. So it, it works uh, on the same pathway that Ozempic works. Ooh. Yeah. So it has... Everybody's going to rush out now who can't get their Ozempic from their doctor, and now the Yerba Mate is going to fly off the shelves. Yeah, why spend like $1,200 a month for like right. Ozempic when you can drink Yerba Mate? Just drink your Yerba Here's the problem. Mate. I think it really tastes grody. I don't. Um, I have not acquired a taste for, for Yerba Mate. I've never tried it. Okay. But, you know, some people are okay with it. And okay. it, it, it certainly, uh, if, you, if you really got a hunger pangs and you take some of that tea... I you're not going to be hungry anymore. I guarantee you. You're, you're going to lose your appetite. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, my goodness. It is a hedge against yeah. overeating. Yeah. Uh, uh, big fan of, you know, back in the day, well, there's more so in, in, in the borough of Manhattan than the outer boroughs, but I remember going to a big fancy Chinese restaurant, and they'd bring out the nice... 
they, they bring out the nice teapot of oolong tea mm-hmm. to have with the crispy wontons while you're waiting okay. for your beef with broccoli or seafood with all of that kind of thing. And the oolong tea, especially in the Chinese restaurant, just like the green tea in the Japanese restaurant, it's the real deal. Yeah. So it's like you have to go to the Asian market to find some of these products or the real authentic stuff, not necessarily the American version of or that's been put into a, a bleached tea bag, right? Or something Or worse like yet, a, or worse, a, a right? plastic tea bag. Some or, of these oh, are plastic. plastic. And they put oh, like no, microparticles no. into your... In, oh, I don't, no, 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 I want no, a no. paper tea bag, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or the loose tea that you could go and brew yourself. There's like this new innovation of like these plastic tea bags. Like, no. Oh, no. Why do that? It's bad enough. You're exposed to that from those Keurig single cup of coffee, the Keurig things in the the plastic. Oh, that's like exposure to dioxin and stuff that's released in plastics when we're putting plastics in the microwave. By the way, you should never do that. Even if it says BPA-free or whatever your Tupperware or whatever product you're using, they say, never put that in the microwave. Ever. Oh, no, 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 no. No. All right. So uh, I, I felt a little guilty during the program because I got a lot of questions during the show. And then at like about the show's like from noon to 2 p.m. on mm-hmm. Saturday. And then at like about 1.48, somebody called in and said, you know, I have early AMD, uh, age-related macular degeneration. Mm. Uh, what should I take? What supplements should I take? So uh, I'm going to answer one of the radio questions today and hope that the person who wanted an answer also listens to the podcast because um, she um, she called a little too late. But maybe she'll call again next week. Hmm. But what it's a question of, of general interest because age-related macular degeneration affects approximately 20 million people in the U.S. Wow. And 196 million people worldwide. How do I know that? Because I have an article in front of me. <laughs> it's, it's amazing what he knows, but okay. Um, I know how to look stuff up. Okay, so what are the risk factors? Uh, cigarette smoking, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, na, 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 that smoke gets in your eyes. It's an old oh, song. okay. From like the ni- 1940s or something. Okay. <laughs> smoke gets in your eyes. Na, 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 na. Smoke gets Smoke does get in your it eyes. It does, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, AMD occurs when extracellular deposits accumulate in the outer retina, da, 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 leading to photoreceptor degeneration. And it's it's also characterized by a pale retina when the doctor dilates your pupils and looks in there, and instead of a nice orangey color, it is like a pale yellow. Mm-hmm. And it suggests that there's a lack of these pigments, zeaxanthin and lutein, which are... Uh, Orangey yes. red pigments. Think egg yolks, people. Do you know where? Do you know where they get zeaxanthin from, and lutein? Egg yolks. Marigolds. Oh, marigolds. Marigolds are a very yellow orange yes. plant. So that's where they get it from. But oh. egg yolks, which are orange, yeah. are also a great source. That's why I think it's ridiculous when they put people on, uh, you know, statin drugs, and then they say don't have any cholesterol, have egg whites. They're going to get macular degeneration. They are. Yeah, it's such bad advice so, to throw out your egg yolks. So, yeah. okay. Um, because, I mean, it's kind of like a belt and suspenders. You're already on a drug that lowers your cholesterol, and you're not going to eat any cholesterol. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what they say here is they do a summary of some of the studies, uh, ARIDS-1 and ARIDS-2. So, ARIDS-1 was a study where they, I think they used like beta-carotene zinc, 
maybe some copper to offset the zinc, 80 milligrams of copper, which is a fairly high dose. And they used uh, yeah, beta carotene, and I think that was, it was mostly about, z- it was about zinc. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the original work was done like in like uh, the early 80s or late 70s by a guy named David Newsom at the University, uh, at Louisiana State University. How I remember that, I don't know. Uh, but the, um, <clears throat> and it showed that the, z- the zinc was the thing. And so zinc became the thing. Okay. But, uh, there's more to it than that. And among the things that are also helpful, and this is demonstrated in ARIDS 2, mm-hmm. is that, first of all, there was a concern about beta-carotene, because beta-carotene kind of lost its luster after a study showed that smokers yes. who took beta-carotene had a higher incidence of, of lung cancer. Yeah. Because something happens when you take an antioxidant and you spoil it with a lot of free radicals, I guess. Right. So it's not a good thing for smokers to take beta-carotene. Yeah. It's discouraged now. So instead, in the ARIDS 2, they said, let's not use beta-carotene, let's use lutein and zeaxanthin. And I think they used DHA and vitamin C, DHA, zinc, and right. copper. Mm. And copper, because if you're taking high-dose zinc, you've got to be careful. You need to balance it. So they think they gave it like a little copper, two milligrams of copper. Yeah. So that became, it's a formula. You can buy it from Bausch & Lomb, ARIDS formula, A-R-E-D-S, formula. And it's got all those things in it for macular degeneration. Mm. What they say, here's what they say. Uh, they say that with the with this protocol, vitamin C, E, E is in it too, carotenoids, zinc, there's a 20% probability of progress to late stage AMD at five years versus without it, there's a 28% probability. Mm. So it's not that like slam dunk, yeah. but I'll take that 8%. It's a definite effect. Yeah. Uh, their recommendation is that people with early AMD not bother to take those supplements. But that's a mistake. Why would you not bother? Their concern is like, well, we don't know what these supplements will do. Maybe they're harmful. My take on it is they're they're safe. They're beneficial. What's the problem? Get yeah. it early because you don't want to lose vision. Absolutely. But I read the article and I said, well, we discourage people you know, who have early AMD because they're, they have so little chance of progressing in their lifetime. Because you usually acquire it when you're older and, you know... You, uh, you, maybe don't wear your seatbelt. Yeah, you, you know, you're only going to go blind at 102 anyway, so don't worry about it. You know, it's like you're going to die before then. But so. what, if, you know, what if you don't die until you're 112? Right. So <laughs> Come on. the point being is yeah. I think one should... And, and the other thing that... I think has entered the the uh, discussion a little bit is astaxanthin. Astaxanthin may yes. have benefits. Here's an interesting thing about astaxanthin is that in a study, in uh, they're, they're conducting a study uh, where they're evaluating substances for their ability to extend life. Mm-hmm. It's called the ITP study, uh, and it's a multi-center study where they uh, have mice who either get something or get nothing as a control group, and they see. They just see if the mice live longer. And look, it's not necessarily uh, going to prove that something or other is good or bad for humans, but if it shows promise in mice, then we should start studying in humans. They studied, for example, metformin, which has been highly touted as a life extension thing. It didn't work in the mice. Uh, They studied, um, but they studied among the things that did work, astaxanthin worked. Wow to extend life in the mice. So think about the salmon color. Yeah. Well, eating salmon will get you a fair amount of astaxanthin. Sure. But you can also take astaxanthin supplements. Yes. I think um, 
uh, protocol for life balance makes an eight milligram, I think, mm -hmm. or a 12 milligram, something like that. Mm -hmm. One a day would give you some astaxanthin, and yeah. it may act as a pigment that protects the back of the eye too. Yeah. And so it, it's actually been shown to be helpful in other, you know, like eye fatigue, computer eye fatigue in some studies. Which we all need to remember to, to look away oh, and walk away from because I gotta we say, forget to blink. I've got to say, it, I started to have uh, some problems with, with my eyes. I felt like I had some sand in my eyes. That's thought, dry oh, eye. No, am I going to have to, like, you know, go to the eye doctor and have my eyes looked at? And, and they're going to tell you to take fish oil. Well, no, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> no, but so, but yeah. what I realized is that. It's it's in winter time. Mm. Uh, I'm swimming a lot, so I'm getting a lot of chlorine on the eyes. Oh. But I'm also uh, spending a lot of time inside in a dry environment, and I'm spending an enormous time looking at screens. Yeah, yeah. And what I did was, you know, I simply, you know, just started to refresh my eyes with with tears. I wish they had the Similisan product available. Yeah. They took it off the market because it's Why? It, it's that part of that attack on homeopathy. It was a homeopathic oh. product. And they said, well, you know, uh, you're, you're making claims that it's good for your eyes. Like, you can't do that. So This is the Flexner report all over again. It is, yeah, which is, for historical reference, for us that resonates a lot. For a listening audience, yeah. uh, the, it used to be, be, in the 19th century, there were different medic types of medical schools, just like in India. You know, yeah. I mentioned there's the classical homeopathy school, and there's the conventional school, and they coexist. Yeah. And there's the popular forms of medicine that the public embraces. So you can go to like the conventional doctor, or if you say, "Well, yeah, I'm not going. He's not helping me. He just gives me medications that don't work." I'll go to the homeopath. Yeah. So you have like choice there. Uh, in the same thing in the United States, but also this represents the time when uh, conventional medicine was less successful. What were they going to do? They were going to put leeches on you, or they're going to like right. bleed you, or you know, they're going to give you a, pur a, a, a purgative, or you know, make you take an enema or something, or give you mercury, or some really bad oh stuff was going on. So homeopathy was big. They had a homeopath founded a medical school called Hahnemann Medical School, which Hahnemann, has since yes. changed its name. It is now it, in the place of Hahnemann Medical School is another school in, in, in Philadelphia, but it was Hahnemann Medical School, named after the founder of homeopathy. Yeah. So then they, around uh, the early 1900s, like 1910 or something, they had the Flexner Report, which basically said, look, these people are becoming doctors, and some of them are, are well-trained, and some of them are complete quacks. There's no standards. We have to set up standards for medical training, which is to the good. But the standards that they set up were exclusionary of alternative streams of yes. medical uh, treatment. Yeah. And basically put uh, uh, high-tech pharmaceutical medication mm -hmm. uh, and surgery above other forms of you know, yes. herbal medicine and homeopathy. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning, I think, of the monopolization of medicine mm -hmm. by uh, mainstream allopaths. Yes. Because it, it was the, the, the opposite of a homeopath is an allopath. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah. It was Rockefeller that said, who's the start of the Flexner Report, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. He said, competition is a sin. Well, here's the thing, too. You know, what's interesting, too, is that uh, a lot of people say, well, we should stop drilling, stop drilling, stop drilling. Most of our drugs are derived are pharmaceuticals that are derived from petroleum products. There you go, yeah. You know, and and our electricity is coming from coal. And but but by but I'm saying that they're actually byproducts yeah. of, of of petroleum that mm -hmm. are, you know through modern chemistry are modified. I'm not saying that when you take a, a pharmaceutical drug, you're taking uh, t 
tar. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, but it's through yeah. chemical manipulation that these things are synthesized now. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, yeah. So interesting history of medicine, and there's actually some books on. Uh, you know, there's actually a book on the history of medicine. I think it's called Medical Heresy, which talks about the evolution of medicine away from some of these uh, previously uh, viable practices towards monopolization of. The conventional yes. medicine, allopathic medicine. Yeah. All part of the Great Awakening, for your reading pleasure. Indeed. Mm -hmm. We want to remind everyone that the destination for questions, as Dr. Hoffman likes to say, is questions at drhoffman.net. That's questions at drhoffman.net. We look forward to them. Also, uh, we talk about supplements here. You know, for example, we talk about astaxanthin. People just say, where in the heck do I get that kind of stuff? You can shop hundreds of curated vetted supplements in my full script dispensary, drhoffmanstore.com, where we stock only the highest quality supplements. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of concern about supplement uh, adulteration and uh, counterfeit supplements that are available online. You can certainly hunt online for the cheapest product, but it won't guarantee you product quality. So for product quality and great customer service and you know really decent prices, uh, buying through full script uh, will also offer fast free shipping and uh, good customer service. So check yeah. it out, drhoffmanstore.com. Thanks for joining us. Have yourselves a great week. And please send us questions or comments, questions at drhoffman.net. Thank you, Layla. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.